0: I'm the Grinch, Cindy Lou Who, I live in Who Ville. who are you? I got a dog, his name is Max, he coffee my cup, that is a fact I was in Snoke, ain't need no coke, Max put that sled off with they head I don't like love I don't like fun, when I'm around, Christmas is done I'm the Grinch, hey how you doing, you scum, it's a pleasure to meet uh, I'm the Grinch, I'm here to ruin your day, this will end in defeat I'm the Grinch, I get to riding and riding and riding around what they call me
1: when they talk about me around the town what's going on everybody it's your boy jordan
0: and this is desmond
1: and welcome to episode 82 of two black nerds Nerd. that's right it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and how it takes on all things fandom pop culture and entertainment as always you can find two black nerds wherever you get your podcasts Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support and of course join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 Black Nerds. We appreciate that love y'all and let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at 2blacknerds.com. Go check out our 2 Black Symbiotes collection inspired by Venom Let There Be Carnage. We got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and tote bags so go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show we're reviewing episode 3 of the Marvel Studios series Hawkeye. As usual We'll do a deep dive and discussion about everything that happened including the introduction of a new superhero, the explosion action sequences, and what may have been a game-changing cameo. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this podcast with our general thoughts about the episode. And this week's episode is entitled Echoes and was directed by filmmaking duo Bert and Bertie, marking the first time that a Marvel Studios series has been helmed by multiple directors. And so before we get into our official spoiler section in which we talk about all of the details of this episode, let's just kick it over to you, man. your general impressions about this week's
0: episode of Hawkeye? Yeah, man, this is the the first episode. I think I was really looking for. Right, this is the episode um, that embodies kind of the previews that we seen from Disney Plus day uh, that we were given. This is the episode that showed really what 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 uh, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop could be as a team and what that looks like and there's a lot of things in the episode again the spoiler review that we're talking about but it's it really was um just everything that I was looking for uh, hoping that the show would be was it perfect no it sure still wasn't a perfect episode but this is the the direction I needed it to go in things happened action happened um, um and relationships are growing and that was important for me in this episode so yeah man I'll keep it short and leave it there
1: I think that this is easily my favorite of the three so far. It was it was kind of everything that I needed it to be. It delivered all of the things that we expect out of a great MCU project for the most part. And it was tight and compact. Only about mm-hmm. a 42, 43-minute episode. But we got... Great action sequences. We got some really good character development. We got some moments that had heart, and also some moments of pain. Um, so it was really something, you know, within the, you know, the confines of a 42-minute episode. It was something that delivered a lot of different things for us, and yeah. opened up some answers and gave us some information that we were that we were wondering about, that we were looking for, and then obviously continued to raise new questions as we continue to see the story unfold. And it's also just crazy to think that. we're already halfway through this series uh, especially after receiving two episodes last week but here we are already at the halfway point so we're obviously trucking along at a very fast pace here and we know that there's still a few big revelations and things you know to still come in this series and so it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see how things wrap up over the course of the next three episodes but in, in terms of what we got here with echoes in this particular episode I thought it was great and it was something that definitely increase my excitement for the rest of the series because after Mm -hmm. last week i was like uh you know it's fine it is what Mm -hmm. it is it's not necessarily doing anything to to make me feel captivated by the story but this one definitely got me more invested into everything that's happening and of course again there's there's still so much to be answered and so many things mm-hmm. that we're looking for clarity on. And so right. uh can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and dive right into this episode. So this is your official spoiler warning for this week's episode of Hawkeye and the previous episode. So if you've not been able to catch up with the latest episode of Hawkeye, go ahead and watch that on Disney Plus, duck out and then come back and listen to the rest of our thoughts. And with that said, let's go ahead and dive into it, man. So. This week in particular started off on a very different note than what we've seen previously in this series. It started off with the character that we ended off last week's episode with, Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. And one of the big themes of this week, one of the big topics of discussion that we that we certainly have to spend some, some time on, mm-hmm. is the origin story of Maya Lopez that we got in this episode. That's how we started off this week. And about six minutes we got so much information about who she is and where she comes from and how she was raised and that really informs us about this character especially this this more unknown character in in the history of marvel comics that not that many people may know about although she's getting her own disney plus spinoff series here in the near future this really provided a lot of backstory and a lot of uh information that i think people were were hoping for and, and and were looking for to just understand who exactly this individual is? Because even if you are into the comics, Maya mm-hmm. Lopez isn't necessarily somebody that's been featured quite a ton, right? And so right. I think that uh, they did a really great job here at this this, this character introduction. So, man, what, what did you just think about the, the episode starting off this way and everything that we saw out of the introduction of Maya?
0: Yeah, man. Maya is quite literally a badass in a lot of different ways, right? Imagine being, um, however old she was in this flashback, what, like eight or, you know, something crazy like that She's in school, she's deaf And she somehow is excelling All the other students in class Whatever that's about Without being in a, you know, a deaf school A school for the deaf She has a prosthetic leg And she's literally kicking dudes ass in karate Who are three times, four times bigger than her um, And she, you know, she has this, this uh, A loving relationship with her father who's a really important crazy horse right um and they're you know they, they they make shadow puppets and uh uh and he can't provide for her to go to the school of the death right or the death um but it it i think a lot of that foreshadows um again her character in, in terms of the things that we're talking about. It calls her Little Dragon, right? Which was uh even a name for like Bruce Lee, you know. Uh and it 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 really is um a uh, a cool origin story. One, because they change it from the comics a lot. Like at that point in time when she's little, when we see that flashback, that's the real time in the comics in which uh, Crazy Horse passes. Um and that doesn't happen here in the TV show. Uh again we we'll, we we'll, we'll see it later, but it it I I think it changed it changes the way I think her character is to be made because she doesn't necessarily grow up angry, you know, in, instead she she has been angry recently um, that the that the TV show makes her out to be and so I think. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in, in, in some of the ways that they're going to end up changing her character but I actually love this origin story again it's, it's short to the point but I think we still get a lot of uh, uh, information on how badass that this uh, once little girl now full-fledged Echo can be um, and again we'll talk about kind of her her fighting skills and stuff her older lately but i i, I really did i think enjoy um just just watching her and in crazy horse and their relationship this episode i feel like was aptly titled uh, echoes and, and and in particular
1: when we're looking at the origin story of maya in those first few minutes we're seeing sort of the echoes of the, of her past to come come to light for for us as an audience and you see the relationship that's you know slowly but surely developed uh with her and her father um you know William Lopez who's played by Zion mclarnon um really tremendous actor yes. uh, I, I first seen him a few years ago on Fargo and he's absolutely chilling in that show but mm-hmm. uh here he's playing a more you know heartwarming character somebody that's a little bit more sensitive and tender to his daughter but all even even with that said he still has high expectations of her and the conversation that they're having in her bedroom where she's trying to understand why she can't go to a deaf school and on top of the fact that he really can't afford it is what Mm -hmm. I think is implied there. He also mentions that he wants her to learn how to jump between two worlds and I thought that that was incredibly important for her to understand that yes she has a you know a disability in, in a sense but that's not something that can hinder her and that's not something that does hinder her from being pretty exceptional at everything that she does and as you as you mentioned she is a badass and she's better than everybody and you know in terms of physical combat in terms yeah. of knowing and in and, and, and learning asl and being able to like read lips and do all of that type of Type of stuff that mm-hmm. you know puts her above just like regular contemporaries. Like she's kind of ahead of the curve because she's had to be. And I think that mm-hmm. that lesson that he instilled in her at a very young age, she obviously carried that with her, and that's why she is so formidable. And we see later on in the episode when she's confronting Hawkeye and asking her, asking him questions about the ronin suit, and she finds out that he has a hearing, uh, a hearing aid. She's kind of disgusted by it. Like, wait, what? Like. You don't even take the time to just learn to live without it. And so she kind of looks down on him in that respect because, again, she doesn't really see her condition as a disability. It's something that's just allowed her to excel and to heighten all of her other senses, and I think that that's very similar also to Daredevil, and even what we saw in like the Netflix Daredevil series as well, like when Daredevil was training and he was younger and he was learning to fight and the physical combat and all of that stuff, you know, yeah. when he was getting trained by Stick, mm-hmm. we found out like Stick is like you you have to you have to increase all of your other senses so sharply. So that your 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 visibility impairment is not something that's going to be used as a as a weakness against you. You know, it's actually something that you can use as a strength. And so, I think that that's a good message, and I mm-hmm. think that that's something that you know is definitely important to to have come across in this episode. And so, I really really love that. And the big piece of what we saw, I think, in this origin story is the fact that Maya witnesses Ronan kill mm-hmm. her father, uh, which is sort of the impetus for this. This quest for vengeance that she's right. on, and as you mentioned, that is different from the comics, right? They they did alter that a little bit because mm-hmm. in the comics, Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin, is actually responsible for the death of her father. Um, whereas here, we see that the character Ronan is specifically the one who kills him um, mm-hmm. as he raids a uh, it looks like a, a car dealership that has the uh, tracksuit mafia. Ronan is sort of on his crusade to, to wipe out the criminal underworld and he ends up killing her father, who is associated with the tracksuit mafia and associated with her, quote unquote, uncle, who is, you know, sort of the, the crime lord over this organization. And so that's really where we get a lot of that 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 uh, I think that motivation for who she is and who she grows up to be as mm-hmm. well. And so. That takes us to that portion to where she is confronting Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. And the big thing that's happening is as I'm seeing this all unfold is that people still don't really know the identity of Ronin. That's not something that's been, you know, publicly made available. Right. And that's really interesting because that secret has not yet been revealed to Kate from Clint. So I think that that's going to, you know, alter their dynamic, but also Maya still isn't aware that the person she's talking to directly is responsible for the death of her father. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, how did you, how did you sort of make up, or what did you make of that whole situation in terms of how they slightly altered her story from the comics and what this could mean moving forward in terms of the relationship between Maya and Clint in particular?
0: Yeah, man, I think it's kind of genius, um, in, in, in the ways in which they make them so similar. Uh, because Maya, of of course you have the one Maya's deaf and Clinton's hard of hearing, uh, similarity. And it's, it's, it's crazy how she can take advantage that we see her take advantage, um, of him not being a hundred percent comfortable without hearing at all where she's been doing that her whole life. Um, but also they... They both are on a quest for family in, in different ways, right? Again, she's she's an avenging story um, by the death of her father. He's uh, on a quest. He just wants to get back to his family. You know, he has. But it's 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 the it's really um, a, a Clint story too at its core because it's a uh, it he has to rectify his sins, right? He is literally here and now he is paying for the things that he's done as Ronan, being as violent and as merciless as he's killed um uh in this point in time and so actually i think this is a a genius change from the comics uh because it it just makes sense i don't know like when everything um is transpiring you're like dang that's good yep that makes sense too um and it gives such good motivation to everybody all parties involved of course clint wants to get rid of the Ronan everything he wants to get rid of it, but I, I have a feeling, um, the way, he, the same way he's trying to clean it up, is the way he's going to um, actually come to terms with what he's done because of Kate, right? Because of this new enter entrance into his family and being her daughter that's that's the the by by facing it and not trying to sweep it under the rug is the way um in which he's going to be you know uh better but what is that and then it's like what does that mean for echo though right is echo going to i don't know like if echo finds out that clint is ronan what does that mean for clint or is it how can they stop echo from trying to kill him you know because we we know or at some point in time where i feel like the echo is going to be good a good a good person but what whatever that means for her in terms of not killing Clint <laughs> uh i think it's going to be even uh, also just as important and it may come from um some type of of a plot twist with her uncle quote unquote right where we think it's Ronan maybe something happened you know that mm. that you know there's a reason Ronan's there and then she's like oh my uncle did what and then yeah. the, you know it, it makes her go after him so it 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 really is just a really good switch up here and i i appreciate them for making it um because it again it makes sense on all fronts it sets up uh the uncle as the big bad and not her maybe so much as well um in this whole thing uh and yeah man it it really is th- this entire show is about family you know we all talk about the themes of every every marvel show that we run through and and, and family here is just so big and i think I appreciate that about the show.
1: Uh, I I do want to add on to the point of you mentioning her not necessarily being the big bad here because it's interesting at the end of the last episode you know they positioned her as the villain right the, the the shot that we get the the glowing red light it very much gave off super villain vibes and obviously here she is the one that's chasing them and, and sort of trying to figure out this information where our heroes are sort of in in peril and they have to figure out a way to get out but I think ultimately what we saw in this episode which is again reflected in the comics is that Echo's not A villain and she's never really portrayed to have been that way she's Mm -hmm. at odds of course and she has a reason to be because her father was was slain at the hands of this 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 guy that she doesn't know um but that that doesn't necessarily make her an evil person but it's it's also interesting because it places her at odds with you know maybe some of the other people in her crew like her right hand man Kazi you know Mm -hmm. seemingly the only one who knows ASL and the tracksuit mafia he's sort of I think he's sort of at odds with her because he feels like she's placing her own personal quest for vengeance above the needs of what the group has, the the, the whole mafia and the, the the whole organization. So I think that that might that might develop into something more as well. Mm-hmm. And for Clint, man, it, it's really tough how this it has to come out. We have to see what this what this all means because not only is he going to have to deal with it on the Echo side of things with mm-hmm. Maya Lopez, but he's also going to have to deal with it on the K side of things. And we could revisit that. But, um, it, it, you know, again, I think this episode is so aptly titled Echoes, and I'm thinking of just like the Echoes of the past and Clint's past is obviously coming back to haunt him here. Right. And it's it's really well done because you can't have a guy go on this you know multi-year murdering spree Mm -hmm. uh as a vigilante and just not not deal with that like it just Mm -hmm. wouldn't be realistic that these people wouldn't come back for vengeance that these people you know that he he was responsible for killing wouldn't come back and and try to exact revenge we saw something i think very similar earlier this year with shang chi and the legend of the ten rings when you have um You know, the Mandarin, uh, Wu, who's over this, you know, worldwide criminal organization and some people came after him and his family. And that ultimately led to the demise of of his of his of the love of his life. And so Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a similar situation play out here. So there's a lot that they can continue to develop there. And so I think that'll lead us into just the next portion of the the, the conversation other big aspect of this week is is you know the dynamic that continues to be developed between Clint and K Bishop in particular and so they do get a chance to escape you know this warehouse and they are on the run run from the track mafia and from Maya Lopez here and we get just an incredible car chase sequence that lasted I don't know like seven or eight minutes it was just <laughs> it was fantastic and I thought it was so cool that we had to see, because, you know, Maya did destroy his hearing aid, mm-hmm. we had to see Clint try to figure out a way to communicate with Kate without being able to hear what she's saying, because we we, we, we find out his hearing's pretty fucked up at this point. Like, it's it's pretty much gone. Like, he, he can hear vibrations, he can hear muffled language, like, he can hear that somebody is talking, but he, he mm-hmm. cannot make out any specific words or language, and so... He's driving this car and he has to figure out a way to communicate with her and they're speaking to each other back and forth but he's not hearing anything and she's just talking yeah. and uh, I thought that that was just like really interesting again because Echo the character is you know deaf and and has that disability and now Clint is dealing with it in his own way even though he uses a hearing aid to help you know to help restore his hearing. Um, but I just, I just found that it's so, so interesting again, how they sort of related that back to him as well and how he's dealing with that, that particular issue, but the differences, right? Like Mm -hmm. Maya accepted that at a very young age that she could live without it and she can develop these other senses and be stronger because of it. Right. Clint hasn't made it to that point. And I'm wondering if he will make it to that point, if he Mm. will just get to a place of being like, you know what, this is a part of me now and I have to learn to live with it. And that's, Mm. that's okay. Right. Like, is, is that going to be a thing that we see hopefully come out of this show?
0: It's crazy that that's two things that he has to learn to live with. Um, again, one his hearing aid or just not being able to hear, and two Ronan. It's almost like this—he's this TV show is literally his. Um, I don't know. He's just understanding. This is his <laughs> his accept all things that I have done uh, kind of or that is going on with me kind of type TV show. And I wonder if a lot of the. The pushback has to do anything with that, right? Like, why aren't you accepting the things that you are and the things that you've done? Um, you know what 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 what's making you run away from that so much is I think is an interesting thing to dissect at some point, um, and that the show will dissect. Like, man, there's some therapy that needs to be had clearly, um, <laughs> but I, I think we'll figure it out um, soon coming to be. It's also funny how like it's. We already know the show is a passing of the torch, but mm-hmm. it's like even crazier that it's like he can't hear, and it, it's like another way of kind of not sweeping him under the rug, but retiring him. It's like yeah, dang, yeah. it's like dang, bro, you just can't hear. And Kate's right, right. here, um, and we see she's clearly a very well capable archer, um, and so I, I just think all of that is interesting in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the show
1: no it's a great it's a great point they they could perhaps be getting us ready with that that type of visual language getting us as an audience ready to say like it's probably time for him to hang it up you know mm-hmm. he's not he's not exactly a young man anymore uh he is a middle-aged man and now he's also losing his hearing and he's gonna have to adjust his life to mm-hmm. to deal with that if he if he chooses to i mean he has a choice to continue to wear a hearing aid that's completely his prerogative um and he's entitled to it but if they do go the route of him saying you know what I'm going to I'm going to live with this and I'm going to figure out a way to you know learn how to live without that without that aid then perhaps now is that time to do so so that he can still be closer with his family while also still adjusting um to this new lifestyle in particular but um I mean we 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 do got to talk about this car chase because the the, the the real the real big thing that happened here is we saw this vast assortment of trick arrows that <laughs> Hawkeye I don't know. I guess he's been working on for for quite some time. He's just put together just like in case he's in a sticky situation. He got some trick arrows that can do a lot of random shit. But he's encouraging Kate like, you know what? You got to be careful with these. Like there's a lot of trick arrows in here. Some of them are really, really dangerous. Be careful which ones you pick out. But she's she's young. She's scrappy. She's just trying to get out of the situation. So she's using whatever she can to fend off the tracksuit mafia. And we ultimately see that there's – Eight different trick arrows that she ends up using, all of which <laughs> vastly different from each other. They're wildly random. Uh, some of them are fantastic. Some of them are probably completely useless. And I feel like we gotta rank these. We gotta rank these in terms of either how important they were in terms of this this car chase as a whole, or just like personal favorites. And so mm. I'll just list them off here individually, and then we can, we can we can you know each take a stab at ranking what we think were the best trick arrows. So we had a USB arrow, which I mean, it's literally what it sounds like. It, it, it <laughs> has a flash drive on it. Um, we had like, they didn't name this one when they were in the car chase. They pretty much had a name for all of them, but they didn't name this one. It was like a webbed arrow or like a spider arrow when she shot mm-hmm. it. Into the car and it expanded out and pulled like the different Christmas trees and the gates and stuff like that. So it it created like this web effect. We had the plunger arrow, which uh, Kate was not fond of until it (laughs) saved her life. Um, We also had a smoke bomb arrow, which when it was shot, it created this big purple cloud of smoke. They had the silly putty arrow, which I'm going to call the Ivan Ooze arrow because it looks like the purple glue <laughs> from Power thing. Rangers. <laughs> I'm like, wait, Ivan Ooze? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, there was the acid arrow that she used to shoot down, um, shoot down the light, uh, mm-hmm. what, the speeding the light. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the speeding light signs in order for them to not have to stop at a red light or a yellow light or anything like that. They had the explosive arrow, which again is self-explanatory. It completely exploded a van, and then the Pym Tech arrow, which was crazy to see uh, when Clint shot at it. It basically became bigger um, using the Pym Tech particles, and damn near destroyed the bridge that they had crossed over into Manhattan. So, yeah. uh,
0: what, what 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 would be your least favorite? Let's go from the bottom to the top. What was your least favorite arrow out of these? I mean, for for interest wise, it has to be the USB arrow. At least right now, right? I mean it didn't do anything that we it didn't, were do nothing. Ready. It didn't do anything. So USB arrow has to be at the bottom for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. She literally shot it at one of the mafia guys and it just bounced off of him. and we saw nothing of it. So I don't know. It'll probably be important later on, but had no purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would be
0: the seventh best for you? Ooh, seventh best. This is a hard one. Uh, initially, initially it has to be the plunger, right? I mean, cause it didn't do anything. It literally, just sat on the windshield and flew in the wind. Uh, but later, it, it'll get moved up. Later, it'll get moved up. I mean, it's a it's in a weird spot. You know, it's like a is it cool now or cool later kind of type thing. Yeah. Um, but maybe may, maybe uh, maybe the web era as yeah. the uh, as the seventh spot.
1: Yeah, I think I would. I would also put the webbed arrow at the seventh spot because it it was a brief distraction, um, that did a little little something, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't the most effective thing. Like it wasn't, and it also, I mean, it was creative. Don't get me wrong; it was very creative how it just like did that. It, it's 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 extremely capable. I feel like though, in better hands, it could have been utilized in a more meaningful way. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it was just kind of messy. That you know, that's that was the most the most that it did. Um, the sixth one, I would I would I would probably put the I would probably put the acid arrow at six
0: for me. Yes. And this, specifically in this scenario, because imagine you just hit somebody with an acid arrow. It's the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, they're they're dead. Like, uh, Murder it, on the spot. It has to be top top two most dangerous arrows there are. An acid arrow. Like, I just, I'm just thinking of all the applicability that it could have into the world. I don't know what else you would use it for, but what she used it for. But, like, I don't know. It's a pretty dangerous arrow in terms of being cool. You know, um, it could get dark.
1: Yeah, you can really, I mean, Jesus, acid arrow, that, that, that's so specific. You can really take somebody out. Like, if you use it on a, a human, it's it's a wrap. But the mm-hmm. way she used it here, um, you know, again, something that just kind of like helped push along, you know, their ultimate goal, which was to escape and to, and to evade <laughs> the mafia. So it did what it needed to do. It just wasn't the greatest thing. Yep. After that, I mm. think, I don't know. From it's between it's between the smoke bomb or the putty mm-hmm. is where mm-hmm. I probably would put the next also, one of the next two.
0: I call the smoke bomb arrow the Agatha Harkness arrow because it was like purple smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh it's Agatha Harkness arrow. Okay. Um Yeah, that they're, they're close. Cause they kind of did the same thing. They both were pretty effective.
1: Yeah. You know what? I'll say this. I will put I'm gonna put the putty arrow mm-hmm. at five and the and then the smoke bomb at four because she should have used the putty arrow correctly because Clint yeah, told her to shoot it at the wheels, at the yeah. tires. Mm-hmm. But she didn't do that. She already let it off and it hit their dashboard. And I mean, it just kind of took their vision out for a quick second. But if she used it correctly, it would have been higher on this list. Because yeah. to see it on
0: the tires, that would have really that would have really fucked that shit up how real does, quick. How does like how does he know what the arrows are and like they're not labeled? <laughs> or like I don't really understand how she doesn't know what they are. Like she should have known. I don't know. There's no way she could have known what was going to come out of the arrow, so she couldn't have used it right in the first place. So it was yeah, crazy. no, I'm.
1: It was it was all a crap shot. She was just shooting them off, just seeing just what would them. happen. And then mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it could have. I don't know. One of them could have had fucking anthrax in him, and she could have shot that off. And I'm like, anthrax. damn, you shot the anthrax arrow? Like you shouldn't have done that. Maybe that was um, one of so, the
0: four he didn't put up there. So,
1: I hope it. I hope it wasn't. Arrow. Again, <laughs> unless you're trying to take somebody out seriously. Hey, like, hey, he
0: was Ronan at some point, bro. He got some darkness in him.
1: Well, that's why I was also wondering, like, when did he make these? Like, was this a recent <laughs> creation or was this like, I'm, no, I'm thinking some real dark shit. Like, I might need to use this acid arrow one day if I got to really just eviscerate somebody. I think you mm. got to be in a dark place to even make some some shit like that. Like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, at three, I, w- I would say the explosive arrow because, boy, it made a bang. It took out a whole van. Um, yeah. How many
0: people died? I mean, uh, it was one person at least driving a van. They just killed somebody. I was wondering <laughs> that same question. I was like, "Did they die, or is it just like, what's going on here?" Did the car? It, it was a pretty big explosion. I mean, yeah, I'm not even survived that one. The, again, she said there's four more arrows, more dangerous than that. I mean, an explosive arrow and an acid arrow, and he put four of them down. <laughs> what is like? What is in there? I just re- kind of really need to know what's in those arrows, those other four arrows. Yeah. But well,
1: actually. we have to see it. Yeah, they teased it, so we we, we got to see it at some point. Like, what are these other things? Um, the second one, I w- I, w- I would say the I, look the plunger arrow. The plunger, it saved them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it turned out to be something that was actually really important. Like you mentioned at first, it was like, why? Why are you making a plunger <laughs> arrow? But of course, like, as they hopped off of the bridge and clint was able to to latch onto the subway with the plunger arrow i mean they wouldn't have made it out without that um it was also really cool to see the new york subway uh featured there like it's i mean we live here so it's like Mm -hmm. if i got on the train and i saw two people with a big fucking bow and arrow (laughs) i wouldn't think nothing of it i'm just like okay well (laughs) you see so much strange shit on the subway already so this Uh isn't really out of the realm of possibility so i thought that that made sense But is there no surprise, like the best arrow
0: that we saw here? Like, it was amazing. It was the my favorite part of the episode, because even before he shot it, you see Pym Tech on it and you're just like (gasps) (gasps) an (laughs) Easter (laughs) egg. What's going to happen? Like, I got excited as soon as I seen it. I didn't even have to see what was happening. I was just like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? So, yeah, it's definitely uh, the best arrow. I wonder if he has a, a shrinking one in there, too. I would hope so. You kind of have to have
1: both. But uh, yeah, when the camera when the camera focused in on the Pimtek logo, I was like, and then you don't even get enough time to really react and to think about it because the very next shot is him shooting Kate's arrow and it turns into like, I don't know, like a 30 foot sized arrow and it just I was like that's fucking creative like that's just stuff that you know again this is such a street level show Mm -hmm. you just don't expect to see something that fantastical but it makes so much sense too because like we go back to captain america civil war mm-hmm. and i remember we saw it in the trailer and of course it was in the movie when he shot the arrow and ant-man was literally on the yeah, edge of on the arrow. arrow yeah and was able to get inside tony stark that was such a cool moment visually and so to, to sort of like briefly take a nod to that to, to him using a pym arrow i mean you you use that when you're in a jam and they certainly were so i thought that that was just like brilliantly done there so Good stuff here, but, man, the, the, the trick arrows are always really fun. That That's also another thing, you know, taken directly from the comics, but I do hope mm-hmm. to see, like, more of those trick arrows and also, like, those more dangerous ones. We got to know what's going on there because, man, these are some uh, – <laughs> these these are sticky. These are real sticky to play with if, uh, if you don't know what you're doing. So, um, you know, they were eventually able to escape, and then basically, like, the rest of the time that we spend – with Kate and Clint Um, again, it's just developing more of their relationship. And so Mm -hmm. they make it back to uh, an apartment in the East village. And there's this moment where Kate has to help Clint speak to his son, uh, Nathaniel over the phone. You know, Mm. he, he calls him asking like, Hey, are you going to make it home tonight? We have our movie marathon, our Christmas movie marathon that we're supposed to do. And Clint is still without his hearing aid. It hasn't been fixed yet. And we get that really, uh, that really tender moment, you know, between him and his son where he can't talk to him and he has to speak, has to speak to him without hearing Mm -hmm. what his son is saying but Kate is able to communicate for him and just like write it on a notepad I just thought that that was just like so so poignant because Mm -hmm. it reminds us of the entire mission for Clint in particular for this show yeah the idea of getting back home and that's really what the focus is because if you don't include that moment that can get that can get lost here the fact that like that's really his ultimate goal to make sure that he can spend Christmas with his family mm-hmm. and he's on a ticking time clock. But I'm glad that they included that small but brief moment, um, small but important moment, I should say, in this episode, because, again, it just really drove home the the, the whole point for him on on what this entire mission means.
0: Yeah, it it really was a, uh, a I don't know if heart punching is the word, but just a an interesting introspective moment into all these things that Clint is going to have to go through and it it's another moment where I realized of course there's this this hole in his heart where Natasha used to live um, specifically because Hawkeye used to always work on his own right that was like one of his things he's like always work on his own until it came to Natasha Natasha was able to kind of be that mediator for him in the in the path of help and then you have uh, now he has Kate who's in a way kind of filling that void. That that widow once had um, in, in helping him communicate with his son. It's kind of poetic, you know, in a couple of different ways, where uh uh it's like this younger daughter like figure for him uh coming up that's kind of filling that void that that of of Natasha not being around anymore. Um I thought was really, really interesting, man. But yeah, it's sad, you know, um having to not being able to hear your child. And I was like, dang, this is this is crazy. Um, but it, even, it speaks even more to uh, the energy, though, too, right? Like, technically, he didn't he- have to hear the his son's disappointment because Kate mm. could just write it on the notepad. And he's like, dang, I know he's disappointed, you know, because he, he just feels it. Um, and I, I think as a parent, that nothing hurts more than your child be like, are you coming home for movie night? And he's like, uh, not today, buddy. You know, I can't I can't really come home for movie night. Uh, and it, it really does suck. But it's it's. It's it's it was a good scene. I liked it a lot. I really did. I was like, "Oh, this is good. That's that's good TV right there." So yeah.
1: Also devastating that there was that point where his son kind of gave him permission to miss it. Like you know, it's okay if you don't make it, Dad. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. That Damn. really hurts. Because, like, mm-hmm. that insinuates to me that his children are kind of used to that life. That mm. their father hasn't really been around or been available as much as they probably yeah. would hope. Because mm-hmm. he is the superhero. And that that's also devastating that the kids have kind of gotten used to it. This isn't, like, a an, an open, fresh wound for them. And I think for him as a father, that has to just be like, D- fuck. Like, That provides even more motivation for him as a character to say, like, no, I have to do whatever it takes to be able to make it back home to spend this precious time with him because I haven't had it. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought that that was so well done. It was so it was so well acted also by Jeremy Renner. You know, people. I think sometimes forget when you have these you know these fantastical superhero shows and these costumes and all this action like yeah this man's a really good actor and he, when he when he wants to he can he can get those chops out and I think we're, we're able to see that like mm-hmm. the show is doing what the Avengers movies never could and never mm. did they never gave that time for him to just like have that emotional range so that we can just see all of these different things that he's wrestling with. And, and, and one of the big things that he's wrestling with is like establishing this trust in this relationship with Kate in particular. And we're seeing it grow and we're seeing it grow in really cool ways. You know, they had the moment in the in the diner um, where they're eating and Clint's got his hearing aid fixed and Kate's going back to this whole branding conversation. She's not letting it go. And you have that really cool moment of her sketching out the comics accurate costume. And she's like, you should get a mask. And he's Mm. like, I would never do that. (laughs) Reinforcing the idea that he's like, he's trying to be a ghost. He's trying to be under the radar. That's, that's in his DNA. He's not somebody that seeks out the limelight, which is all the more salient. I think because in the first episode we get to see that like New Yorkers, they Mm. know who he is. People know that he's an Avenger. So as much as he's tried to like get away from the limelight, People still recognize that he's like this famous person, um, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. I don't think he really takes takes that stuff well. He's not really looking for that. He's not looking for public validation. He's not yeah. looking for all of these accolades and to be recognized. Like he just he just wants to do his job and just like be with his family and be mm-hmm. under the radar. But that's not the life that he can he can really live at this point. But in that moment, I was starting to think again back to the fact of. Kate doesn't know that this guy was Ronan like this person that she idolizes mm-hmm. and has looked up to for such a long time and has, and has modeled her young career after uh, went on a on a very dark path for 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 quite a while and became a vigilante and, and yeah. murdered people. You know, whether it was just or not, obviously can be debated. Um, but I think you can you can look at in in particular with what we saw at the beginning of this episode, him killing him killing Maya's father, you have to look at that type of situation and ask like, well, how many other times does that happened? How yeah. many other people has he killed and, and has orphaned a child or taken away somebody's brother or potentially mother, whatever it might've been. And so I'm just wondering what it all looks like when Kate inevitably finds that information out because she has to, that has yeah. to happen in the show. I think in order for them to reach to reach a new place, to reach an ultimate understanding of each other and to accept each other for who they are, uh, Kate has to find out, but what what does that even look like? How devastated will she possibly be? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just kind of curious as to how how that whole situation might break now.
0: I think I'm I'm worried about Kate on a couple fronts though, right? You're talking about um, again her finding out that Ronan was Loki, actually a villain, um, and that your hero was a villain at some point um, and going through some dark things. But you know, we talked about it in our last uh, breakdown of episode. Um, One and two, as well, that you know, it's a very right now possibility on the table that her mother is also uh, a villain currently or Mm -hmm. her stepfather, right? We don't know yet, um, 100%. But again, we have speculation that you just don't bring Vera Farmiga in and she's not a villain or you know, something bigger than that. But it imagine you find out your hero was a villain and your mom was a villain, Uh, and, and that can break anybody because, in a lot of different ways, that's all she has, right? Now she has. He's always had her mom. And she, even though, you know, we kind of see at the beginning of the series, she has like her little college friends, you know, doing this and that. But her her mom is who she had. And now them them developing this relationship, I think uh Clinton's gonna be the, the second piece of that. Now you, I just feel like in an episode or two, you telling me both of these people may not be who I thought they were. Mm. Then it's then it's like, so who do I have? And and I think that's gonna be an entire another another part of the story for Kate is uh you know of course her finding out that they're bad but finding herself after that happens is an entire another thing that's going to happen because what she's me myself and i about beyonce is going to start playing as soon as she hears (laughs) one of these things i don't know which one um but yeah man it's 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 making for a sad kate story as we know it's already kind of a sad uh clint story in in a couple different ways it's it's making for even sadder Kate's story but we'll see what happens
1: I've been pondering it and I'm going to continue to bring it up until it happens Yelena Belova is coming oh absolutely in the post credit scenes of Black Widow Uh Valentina presents Yelena with a very clear photo (laughs) of Clint in the Ronin suit hood off like that's his face wearing the Ronin suit it's not him as Hawkeye it's him as Ronin So this is theoretically now in Yelena's possession. I'm sure she has a copy of that photo to know the guy that she's looking for, just to make sure, like, okay, I'm going after Clint Barton. I know what he looks like. Boom. Uh, How the hell Valentina got her hands on that, we don't know. But she's obviously somebody that's... Who took the photo? (laughs) Where did it come from? In what year? How long has she been sitting on it? There's so many questions, but obviously... A powerful woman like Valentina can probably get her hands on anything mm-hmm. if she knows the right people I would not be surprised that the introduction of Elena, of course is like her going after Clint mm-hmm. under the under the impression that he's responsible for the death of Natasha which we keep going back to of course right like even right. earlier in the episode when Maya Lopez asks him like yeah so who killed Ronan because he said that Ronan was killed you see him you know, mouth the words cause we don't hear because it, it's from the perspective of Maya. You see him mouth the words of Natasha Romanoff. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of theoretically implying, yes, when Natasha showed up in Avengers Endgame and, you know, saved him from this life that he was living, uh, right. she she, you know, the, the implication is that she was able to kill the Ronin. Not mm-hmm. physically, of course, but theoretically. And so we're going back to that Natasha connection, which I'm glad that they're doing. I'm really glad that they are doing that. But I I just wouldn't be surprised if Yelena shows up, obviously after Clint and in in so doing we, we we get the the unintentional exchange of information that Yelena's like well, this man killed Natasha and she's mm-hmm. like wait what and she has that photo and and that's that's how you get that big reveal you know i wouldn't be surprised if that's what if that what that's what occurs and that'll mm-hmm. even be more devastating to your point because that wouldn't be clint revealing the information that'll be her finding out unintentionally you know mm. almost inadvertently and so that's an even bigger betrayal, you know, probably in the eyes of Kate But we'll have to see. That's just speculation um, yeah. on my part. But we, we will see what happens when Yelena does show up. Um, of course, we got to talk about the other big thing out of this episode, oh, yeah. uh, which is the big elephant in the room. Uh, and that's the fact that there is a there is a crime boss over this organization, over the tracksuit mafia that's alluded to. Um, at the end of last week's episode, you know, audience members are probably led to believe that Maya Lopez is in charge. In fact, she's not. Um, this is even an exchange that, that, that Kate and Clint have um, after they escaped the mafia. Kate says that she thought that Maya was the boss. And, and Clint responds like, no, there's someone above Maya, someone you don't want to mess with. And even earlier in the episode, when we were getting that origin story, we heard the words of William Lopez saying that, like, your uncle's going to you know take you home today. Mm-hmm. And we see a man off camera. We don't see his face. We only see... You know the lower half of his body in his hand. He you know sort of pinches the cheek of Maya, young Maya Lopez, and, and chuckles off screen. And obviously that that spurs up questions like, well, who's this guy? And we've long speculated and pretty much know that this is this is going to be Kingpin, but not just any Kingpin. Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin from the Daredevil series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Netflix, um, thus creating a universe hopping character another universe <laughs> hopping character uh very similar to what we saw with jk simmons from the sam raimi spider-man movies to the current tom holland iteration of the character yeah it looks like we're getting a very similar thing here um is there any chance that this isn't vincent d'onofrio's kingpin let's just put that out there right now is there any chance
0: that he's th- not that person not to me it's two, <laughs> it's two, it's too one one-to-one you know yeah um in the comics. Uh, there was, uh, of course, their relationship between Echo and Kingpin. She called him dad, right? And we see how like, different, how just they're they're making subtle changes in the story. And uncle also just makes sense here, especially given that her dad was with her her entire life. Where in the comic, it makes sense where Kingpin killed Crazy Horse early. And so, of course, if she spent all that time with Kingpin growing up, she would refer to him as dad. Where here, uncle makes sense now um, as him Mm -hmm. being... Uh, uh, over the, the tracksuit mafia. So, it has to be... I mean... Who else? Uh, you know? I mean... Uh, right? There are so many comic nerds in the world. I feel like if it was anybody else, we would have figured it out. Or, like, we would have thought, oh, this is also a possibility. But literally any and everybody under the sun who has talked about this show is like, it has to be Kingpin. Because who else right. could it be? The Yeah. That's, that's the only other person it could be.
1: Yeah. I mean, they also... In in the flashback, where you know right before Ronan kills Crazy Horace, we see that they're at Fat Man. Fat Man, yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, okay, no way. Way. come on.
0: <laughs> come I'm on like, here. we're just
1: directly doing it now. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen again. This is another situation where it's like, hey, is there any actor better that can play Kingpin? No, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. then why change him? You know, yes, the Netflix you know Daredevil series and that whole Defenders universe isn't directly tied into the you know the MCU we've 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 learned that now. I think mm-hmm. we've all come to accept that for the most part. But, you know, we're all educated enough to say like, well we still love this guy as that character. We still yeah. want to see him. And obviously that show was left on a on a bit of a sour note, you know, nobody was ready for the Daredevil series to be over. Like it mm-hmm. was it was great for all 3 seasons yes. and people wanted more and the way that they left it off it implied that there would be more. Yes. And so the fact that we get a chance to return to this character by you know such a phenomenal actor who just really embodies the kingpin mm-hmm. um, and for him to be introduced in this way into this show just makes so much sense and i think it's definitely happening at the right time and and the fact that they can connect him So specifically to Maya Lopez, again, adding on to what they've done in the comics, but then make it work for this Hawkeye series because there has Mm -hmm. been so much so much, you know, DNA that's been threaded between the Daredevil character. But to make it work for this Hawkeye series, because Daredevil hasn't arrived, at least quite yet. um, What I find crazy is that there is very much potential. That if it doesn't happen next week. If it happens in the second to last episode, that we could get the reveal of Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin in Hawkeye the very same week mm. that we potentially may see Charlie Cox, Cox uh-huh, in Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home because he's also wow. been rumored to be in that movie. What a strange wow, occurrence of events that could possibly be, right? Mm-hmm. Like we get these two opposing forces and these two very familiar actors in those roles that could potentially come around at the same time cuz I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it I think next episode, you know, just shifting gears there. I feel like we're going to get a lot more information about Jack Duquesne, you know, the swordsman, because right. that's where we leave off this episode. They go back to infiltrate Eleanor's um, penthouse to get more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the Jack Duquesne arrives and has the, the Ronin sword and he threatens Clint with it. And that's kind of where we're left off for this episode. So I just wouldn't be surprised that if by the next episode, it just seems, you know, sort of like the formula, like they leave us on a cliffhanger, of course. And the particular character that we're left with is who we end up spending a little bit more Mm -hmm. time with the next episode. So I wouldn't be surprised if there might be flashback information to Jack Duquesne and who he is or just a little bit more backstory to how he came into this whole story. Because we're just we're wondering if he is truly a villain or if he's more in line with his comic accurate nature of being a little bit more of a hero um, Mm -hmm. and just sort of. All these villains in the air that we have to deal with, like you have the tracksuit mafia, you have this uncle guy who we presume to be kingpin, you have Maya Lopez who's still sort of treading that line, Mm -hmm. Yelena is gonna be an antagonistic force when she arrives, we can only assume that she will be at least, right? Mm -hmm. jack duquesne we don't know about him and then eleanor there's obviously so many question marks hanging above her so they're they're kind of juggling a lot in terms of who to trust who not to trust um any anticipation and thoughts on what we might see out of next week's episode
0: yeah man i think you're right about jack duquesne a lot of swordsmen i think we'll get a lot of his um his mo man what he has going on is he who he says he is you know uh kind of type thing and what's what's crazy is i remember talking um in our in our last hawkeye episode where i kind of explained how swordsman actually trained hawkeye in the way of the sword by way in in how good he is with the sword and now at the end of the episode they meet right but they haven't looked each other in the eyes yet so I'm, i'm curious which direction they're going there if they if Somehow they do miraculously say, "Oh nope, he used to train me." Or mm. if they're going the opposite direction, then they're strangers. Um, in, in what even even what that looks like. I also think because Swordsman comes from money, we'll get more Easter eggs about uh, Kingpin. Actually, it, Kingpin has any and everything to do with money and just buying stuff. And it it, it wouldn't surprise me if the auction where he the Ronin suit was and the Ronin sword was was ran by Kingpin. It wouldn't mm. surprise me if kingpin is the one who bought stark tower because that's very possible right um that's a that's a whole thing that could be true uh because norman osborn isn't really here yet (laughs) uh the only other person again in our minds who's here that could have bought that tower is kang and that still doesn't fit completely in the puzzle yet but wilson fisk buying stark Tower is like well shit that might make sense you know what i mean right um, so I think we'll we'll again continue to get Easter eggs again until the very the very last episode where uh, you know he could be revealed. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think we'll get a lot of Jack Duquesne stuff. Um, and I, I, because they they sh- um, kind of ignored all of those open plot lines about the the Duquesne stuff and her and, and Kate's mom, and that's going to be this episode. Is okay? What's going on with them? And how does mm-hmm. all of this fit together in the picture? Because then we can take the last two episodes to blow everything up <laughs> and make it as holiday batchet crazy as we want to be with Elena uh, being on the table and what echo got going on and all uh, mm-hmm. Ronin issues got going on. so uh, I think it'll be a uh, not as fillery as the first two episodes, but I think a lot of answers will start or yeah, answers will will start to come um, next episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh it, it feels like the right time to do that as we're sh- shifting towards like the second half of this. And... You know, just sort of as we wrap up here, I do just want to, like, point out, like, a, a couple of small things. One, when uh, Clint went to get the hearing aid fixed and they found somebody in East Village and mm-hmm. the lady was like, yeah, I can fix it for you, but cash only. That's such a New York thing. I was just like, <laughs> oh, yep, y'all are getting that right because all these local mom and pop shops, they're not taking no oh, sort weird. of Apple Pay. They're not taking no debit cards. It's like cash only. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that... <laughs> Clint and Kate were being held at a KB Toys warehouse, like an old probably an old KB Toys like an actual physical store. Random. I thought that that was it was <laughs> it, it was so cool because KB Toys, I feel is very much like tied into the DNA of like the Christmas holiday season. Mm-hmm. Like when we were growing up as kids when like toy Stories were still a thing, like yeah. Toys R Us, KB Toys. I'm like, "Oh my god, that's such a throwback." Like mm-hmm. whoever's behind the show they have a particular affinity with that with that specific era. Uh, I assume they were in, in like the deep depths of Brooklyn because it looks like when they were crossing the bridge, they were going mm-hmm. into Manhattan. Yeah. It um, didn't if there's really a KB Toys like old warehouse in Brooklyn, <laughs> I kind of want to figure out where that's at because that would be know. amazing. But, uh, yeah, very much accurate to like that whole representation of New York. But, yeah, I man, we have a lot to look forward to. Obviously, there's more questions on the table that we have to see unfold over the course of these next three episodes. Uh, we're already halfway through. So it'll be exciting to see any any last thoughts on Hawkeye and just like what we what we saw out of this week's episode. Uh, she
0: finally named the dog Pizza Dog. Um, she did yes it hasn't it, Clint hasn't changed it to lucky yet which he did at mm. some point um but we'll see what happens right now it was unnamed now he's pizza dog at least and maybe uh maybe Clint will say something on I don't know like a cool quip at some point where it's like oh man that's a lucky dog or something <laughs> like that and they'll be like oh, right. up luck, lucky lucky the pizza dog here we are um so i thought that was a, a, a cute little easter egg i guess um, but Absolutely. yeah, man, yeah not, nothing much more to say. I think uh, I said it all, but I'm more excited for the next episodes more than I was after watching the first two. I know that um, this this third episode really was important, I think, um, for for what the show has going on. So, yeah, ex- excited, man absolutely and with that ladies and gentlemen we are officially down
1: and out for this week's episode of two black nerds thank you as always for tuning in we will be back next week of course to talk about episode four of hawkeye so definitely be on the lookout for that as we continue to break down this series each and every week with all of our spoiler thoughts and analysis on each episode so until then keep it locked and we'll be back next week
0: with that being said y'all we are Audi 5000 and please remember always bet on black appreciate y'all love y'all Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. We're two black, two nerdy, and we out, y'all. Peace.